Welcome to the Not Here to Make Friends podcast, New Zealand's leading pop culture, social media, and friendship podcast. I'm Haimona Gray. This is Katie. Katie Parker. Yeah, I almost said your name for you, and I was like, I don't need to do you that. She has want. a voice. Hence her being the other co-host of the podcast. First up, we got some news. Yeah, some news. So this week was the Vodafone New Zealand Music Awards. Yeah, apparently now it's the Vodafone New Zealand Music Awards, but Vodafone New Zealand has, so it's like VNZMAs rather than just VMAs, which is uh, very, like... I think it's better because it's confusing having the, you know, like the Video Music Awards. Yeah. We just can't compete with that. So I always thought there was, like, there was something kind of, hey, were they tempting fate? Did they want to get sued? Like, what was the deal <laughs> with that shit? They were probably just hoping to, like, jump on the, like... SEO bandwagon get a little bit of <laughs> like extra. really get that runoff yeah yeah like maybe people in other countries will be googling VMAs and they'll just come across ours and they'll be like hey <laughs> just getting accidental doing? hits <laughs> yeah it's it's like how scout would just really get in on that scout <laughs> like yeah going. yeah oh yeah. they used to anyway <laughs> RIP RIP yeah. possibly oh well we'll talk about that we'll talk about that later yeah so um we both watched the VNZMAs um, I did not watch the whole thing. I did not watch the whole thing either. I would watch the whole thing if I was invited, but... Yeah, if we'd been invited, we would have paid all our attention. But I actually think that watching it on TV suited me a lot better because it was very long. Yeah. It seemed like way too long. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very um, bitty. Absolutely. And you, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I can only speak for myself, but I feel quietly confident that spending several hours... With the only thing to look at is like the people from Brood who honestly I could not pick out of a fucking lineup. No. Like I I had oh. no idea. People were like, oh look I... at this photo and I was like, Who are these two people from Devonport? Why do I care? <laughs> I have to say I didn't really know a lot of people in it. I'd never heard of Janine in the mixtape. I'd never heard of Marlon neither. Williams. I'd heard but of Marlon Williams. Like they're quite important. <laughs> I'd only heard Marlon Marlon Williams in the same way you hear about when really obscure holidays are gonna come up. <laughs> It's like, I saw a poster somewhere. It's like, celebrate Arbor Day. It's like, shit, Arbor Day's coming up again? Wait a minute, what is Arbor Day? <laughs> do we have Arbor Day in New Zealand? <laughs> I mean, apparently we do. It's time we started celebrating It's time. It. <laughs> we are also New Zealand's uh, leading Arbor Day podcast. Yeah. Um, we're going to make that. <gasps> we should Disney. find out when it is and have an Arbor Day special. Oh my God. All right, we need to do this. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought that um, Taika Waititi did a good job. I also thought it didn't seem like they'd given him a script. No. It seemed like he was winging it. He was incredibly charming, as He's he so always charming. seems to be. Yeah. But, yeah, it seems like they just gave him, like, 500 cash. Yeah. And, like, a pinch on the cheeks. And was yeah. like, go get him, son. Yeah. And nothing else. And he was like, I don't even know who broods are either. No, I felt like he seemed a little bit... Like, the part I saw, which was sort of in the middle, I sort of felt like he was getting a bit fed up. Like, there was a point where he told people off in the audience for talking. Yeah. And I think that the whole thing was just a little bit... Um, I don't know. I felt like it was all a bit improvised. Which was fine. I just don't think he was as into it. Which is sort of understandable. Yeah. It, <laughs> considering. It's understandable considering the fact that what even is it? I know. It was really like, odd too. Because they had him as the host, but then they had kept cutting to Dominic Bowden yeah, and that no. girl. And I thought that was really like clunky and odd. The second I saw Dominic Bowden, I was like, oh no, this is what this is? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's another and Dominic Bowden's long line of trying to become New Zealand's... Oh fuck, I've forgotten his name. 
Ryan Seacrest? Uh, yeah, New Zealand's <laughs> Ryan Seacrest, but he's not really likable enough. The only likable oh. thing I've ever seen him do is when he was in the Back of the Y movie, uh, The Devil Dares Me To, and his um, <laughs> line about like being in the North Island um, is, I don't actually remember it, but like that was the only vaguely likable thing oh, really? I've ever seen. And he was playing an arsehole. Oh, okay. So I, I feel like it. he should probably, like he yeah. really convincingly plays a dick. Yeah, I think he'd be good for that. I always found him really weird on X Factor because I think he's... It's like you can see him try and replicate charm, but he doesn't really understand what it is. He's like someone who was taught how to speak from television. Yeah. And so he's tried to emote in the same way he's seen television teach him to emote. It's it's like the uncanny valley of presenters. Yeah, oh my God, he is. He's very uncanny. Like, he's... He's sort of constantly on, but you don't get the feeling he has any idea what he's saying or doing. You feel like if someone just rubbed his face during (laughs) it, just like softly, just rubbed like their hand (laughs) across his face, he would continue Mm. as if nothing had happened. Totally. And you could ask him, why do you let that person rub your face? And he's like, what now? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I would do that. That's an admirable focus. Yeah, sure. That's that's a commitment (laughs) to a very bizarre thing. Yeah. But anyway, we're mad. Um, yeah, we don't... We don't... We, we're not happy. Uh, um, I didn't really give a shit about any of the people who... Oh, neither. And I just found it really, like, kind of tedious because I didn't really know who anyone was. So I kind of gave up on it. I did see Lord's speech. And I've got to say, I didn't think she had an American accent. No. No, I think <laughs> she was fine. I think... I think a lot of New Zealanders kind of pick up... Like, I know I do. Like, every now and then people tell me that I've said a word kind of American or whatever. And I think it's just from watching a lot of TV... It's just, it just it's the preparation for our goddamn yeah. podcast. And Lord, yeah. you know, she <laughs> she meets a lot of people. She's going to yeah. interact with a lot of different accents. It's going to happen. She yeah. is still the greatest New Zealander. Everyone needs to shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. I'm not the biggest Lord. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I'm sure she... I don't think she had that at all. No. No, I thought it was just all a bit kind of like... Mm. But... And it just didn't seem like anything really fun came out of it. There was no, no like, scandal or gossip, really. Except for... Um, what's his name? Dom Harvey's stupid eyebrow shaving. I don't thing. care about Dom it's just Harvey. Like, I know I it's don't. not even. I'm not even. It's just neither here nor there. This can like slowly sink into the scout thing. Oh yeah. But there is something. If there is one thing I really, really don't give a shit about, it's Auckland media personalities. Oh really? I, I don't necessarily I don't, care about Dom Harvey. <laughs> oh no! Don't get me wrong. Like, some of them I find enjoyable, and some of them yeah. I'm like, I will. I, when John Campbell's checkpoint starts in like mid January, yeah, I will listen to that at least a little bit I'm so because excited. I find him really fascinating he's and so engaging. Lovely. I've been listening to Morning Report and he's been going to Christmas Island. I know it's great. He's, so interesting. he's everywhere and he just he does these <laughs> little pieces. He's now decided he's like I'm not gonna do these like big yeah. sweeping yeah. piece of investigative journalism. He's like I'm gonna go and do my own work. Yeah, and I'm gonna get back at it, which yeah. is kind of correct. But, um, yeah, we should talk about Scout. We, I feel like we are talking about <laughs> yeah, Scout. We're just not saying we're talking about Scout. Um, so Scout was a thing. I hadn't realized it had only been two months. Somehow it yeah. felt like longer, but yeah. I guess that's about right. Actually, because, of course, this week there was the really good spin-off article by Duncan Greaves yep. that everybody read and everybody loved. It was actually such a good article just because it was super fun to read and really well put together. Like, I thought that it got really exciting. <laughs> it's, it went really... On, it's like, oh my God, what are they going to do next? And it just, like, totally delivered. It's a really interesting story. Duncan Greaves' sort of best work is in that, like, 
full feature form. Yeah. It's when he's allowed to tell sort of a long narrative about something which has had previous iterations. So it's the fact that they were the people who figured out or broke the story about the Julie Christie's mansion video definitely being a house Julie Christie (laughs) never lived in. Yeah. Yeah, because it was all like little bits of information we already had. Like everyone knew about Francis Cook leaving after four days and all that kind of thing. But putting it all together like painted the picture of what a mess the whole thing had been and just like how terrible Rachel Glucina is. I think it was it was really telling and really fascinating. My favourite part was the um was the tremendous hubris of Weldon and Glucina yeah. at the launch party talking about how haters are gonna hate yeah. and the hate just fuels us and this is what's gonna make yeah. us so popular is the fact that yeah. we're we're vexing. Yeah. And what was really interesting to me is they couldn't tell the difference between sort of bad PR, like mm. negative PR in terms of people saying, oh, what you're doing there is controversial yeah. and it's bad, but it's so bad that we want to keep watching. It's sort of this Sean Freud is so bad it's a good thing, but almost mm. so sort of salacious that you can't look away. And that's yeah. how they took it. And yeah. really, they just had no fucking scoops. Like, they had I know. nothing. Well, I thought that was really, like, funny as well, how she, you know, no one would talk to them. And it was like, that's obviously the the consequence of having that kind of reputation. And how could you not foresee that that was going to be a problem if you were going to be trying to get people to do, like, investigative journalism, even if it's about dumb celebrity gossip? You're not going to get any information because no one will tell you. I loved reading it. I thought it, mm, was, it was really engaging. But one thing it did remind me of is... Um, People often sort of criticize or perceive Wellington, uh, particularly sort of Beltway Wellington, as being insanely insular, which it is, Mm. um, and very, like, so entirely focused on its own sort of realm of, like, politics and House of Cards-esque bullshit, which goes on behind the scenes, that everyone is just gossiping. The Auckland media landscape is kind of no better, because Mm. in a way, this is just Auckland media people talking about Auckland media people who were talking about Auckland media people like it's gone to this point where we're so far beyond any point where any of this was actually meaningful to anyone's lives that now we're just looking for the greatest I I kind of read it in the same way I watch an episode of Scream Queens yeah when I was like part of me at a certain point was like I still want Glucina to win just because I want to see how crazy this could possibly get. Like, yeah. do they at some point just like give her like an all glass office on the top of like yeah. the Moore FM building in Ponsonby and just let her like be up there shooting down crows with like a yeah. crossbow and then like ruling over her bizarre scout kingdom yeah. for the next 10 years. She clearly pitched this to MediaWorks on the idea that this would be cheap. Mm. She would be the most yeah, expensive part of the whole thing. And she would just fill it up with unpaid interns as know, the which MBR shocking. broke, which was fucking shocking. I, I have no idea how much they paid Glucina, but it was certainly I'm, enough to pay yeah. some fucking intern. Um, so I think speaking of things which have like challenged you, um, <laughs> I I might quickly uh, dip into Shortland Street just because we've oh, got yes. a lot of New Zealand. Yeah, um, I, I would love to know what you think about Shortland Street. Are you enjoying it? <laughs> um, yes. Like, and... And, but in a very sort of strange, almost, um, like I'm not, nothing about this is ironic. Nothing about this is like watching, you know, so good it's bad. I'm not watching it for any of these reasons. (laughs) I'm partially watching it because, um, my girlfriend watches it and I happen to just be in the room and so I will watch it. 
I don't know if that's kind necessarily as much as I'm like, I can't bother leaving the room right now. I'm going to watch this show. And now I've invested sort of a solid two months into Shortland Street. And I've found like the, going back to like the idea of sort of um, Dom, no, not Dom. Um, what's his name? Poor man's New Zealand Ryan Seacrest. Oh, Dominic Bowden? Yeah, Dom Bowden. I was about to say Dom Harvey. Um, Dom Bowden, um, future Dom Harvey. <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah, I think we can all see that happening. <laughs> um, the idea of sort of touching his face and like him having no reaction. I feel like if you walked onto the set of Shortland Street or if you were sort of in there as a scene was going on, mm. you could just start knocking things off the wall and nothing would happen. Because it's <laughs> like it doesn't seem to exist with any like real world. Every character is sort of moving. So everyone's yeah. character and everyone's personality is constantly moving. No one's set in stone. So you sort of develop relationships with characters who may evolve to be someone completely different. Yeah. And so everyone's kind of constantly moving. There's some people who are sort of set in stone. There's some people who never quite change. Like yeah. Chris Warner never really changes because no. you need like something to ground the shots. Totally. I think he's really important for it as well because he he kind he of like has, is like an anchor for it. Like especially because all the characters are really kind of shallow and sketchily drawn and stuff. <laughs> and the fact that he just has like that he's been around for so long, he kind of gives like an emotional anchor to it. Like Definitely. I feel really safe when I see Michael Galvin. <laughs> On television? <laughs> or just in the clubs. Like when he's uh, yeah. popping balls. Oh, I did I'm not like... feel safe when I saw him in the club. But it's a whole nother story. <laughs> it's a whole nother. This, we are not here to replace Scout. Although if, uh, for the right club. amount of money, we definitely would. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mark Weldon, hit us up. Oh, absolutely. DM us. <laughs> DM us. Uh, DM our um, podcast uh, Twitter feed, which I should just remember what it actually is. At NHTMF podcast. Um, and that is yeah. because apparently Not Here to Make Friends was taken um, because that's just, that's too obvious and too good a thing. Like, mm. Of course, someone is going to take that. Yeah. It's also quite long. I think abbreviating, abbreviating uh, it. Abbreviating it. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Sean Street sounds like it's going well. I'm going to have to try and get into it. And it's, yeah. It's, um, like, it's slowly sort of destroying my brain in a way in which it's like... Because everything's constantly moving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is no, like, real center. You cannot really have any necessarily, like, emotional, like... No. But that's investment quite nice. In it's quite nice to have, like, a, an entertainment palette cleanser. Mm. Like, it just, like, wipes you clean. And then you're prepared to um, prepared, absorb Yeah, prepared for things <laughs> which seem to have things. some sort of sense of consistency yeah. and which aren't necessarily just about whatever happened to someone else yeah. now happening to a new person. Well, it's kind of a crazy show because they film it really quickly. Like its Incredibly production quickly. is like insane how like quickly they shoot all the scenes and turn it over and everything. I would love to work on the show just because I yeah. would love to see like in person how the conversation goes around... This is a character who people have sort of been engaging with for about a month. Yeah. We've decided they're going to completely change and just go mm. and become something else. Yeah. Let's just make it happen. It's, yeah. Well, then, you can kind of see it turning, like, the fact that they produce it so quickly and that it's shot, like, you know, made by a lot of different people because everyone, you know, every now and then someone obviously has a completely different idea and just decides to go with it. And it just, you know, switches and they can't decide what they want a character to be. But, I mean... 
I don't feel like I'm that... attached to them. So. No, no. And I think that's the that's the best bit about Short Mystery is the fact that you're attached to what you want the show to be. You're yeah. not necessarily attached to any of the characters. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm attached to TK in as much as I hate him and I think he's the worst <laughs> bit of the show. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, like, I, if anything, I tune in so I can hate TK. Yeah. And he hasn't been and, on in a little while and oh, I'm really, really? happy. <laughs> I think that they need to, like, decide with him. I mean, I haven't seen him in it for a while, but when I used to watch it, I was always frustrated that they couldn't kind of decide if he was meant to be good or bad. You know, like, every now and then he'd do stuff that was quite mean or, like, he'd be quite nasty to people. And I'd think, oh, they're finally going to go with TK's actually, like, a villain. But then he'd do something really nice and or something bad would happen to him and you were meant to feel sad for him. And I was like, well, they need to kind of go one way or the other. Because I hate TK. <laughs> I want him to turn out to be bad so I can just, like see people yeah you know react if, to it if they just decided we're going to like tk goes into a coma <laughs> and like, all of tk's scenes and everything yeah. about tk they just give to Vinny. i would be oh, so incredibly I happy Vinny's the mvp of the show he's a real oh, hard totally. show he um, is he's so good i have a lot of like strong opinions about it uh about Vinny. I, I just really just about Vinny. Just about Vinny. I yeah. think he's great. Like I, I think he's sort of he's the character you want um to really ground the show. Mm. I mean you've got like the Warners, which is sort of the old long standing family type of thing. Yeah. But I would I would happily replace the Warners with Vinny just because yeah. he's like there's something real about him in a way yeah. in which he's sort of He's very sort charismatic of a and very, dork, like, but warm. sort of charismatic, yeah. but real, like, heart of the show type Definitely. of guy. Yeah. And if anything, like, Vinny's greatest problem is the fact that Vinny doesn't notice that everyone likes Vinny way more yeah. than he necessarily understands. Does he have a wife at the moment? He does, and kids. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. well, then they should replace um, the Warners with him. Yeah. He could become head of the hospital. He could become head of the hospital. That would he should up. become head of the hospital. <laughs> I, w- I would be completely in favor of that. Anyway, we've we've had our fear of Shortland Street. Yeah. Our, my opinion on Shortland Street is that... Um, it's like, ongoing as well. I want to see it how, never ends. how far you descend into it's, the... Like, it's already slowly started to make me a worse person. <laughs> just because when, when everyone's character and when everyone's like, emotional core is constantly moving... You yeah. kind of don't care about their emotions anymore. No. And so sometimes you sort of hope for people. Like, uh, the character Mo um, is going through some family problems right now. <laughs> um, and there is another character who's notably sort of... Um, she's had a series of like storylines where she's mm-hmm. overcome adversity... Um, but has also sort of become quite embattled. Um, yeah. And Victoria... And Victoria is in love with Mo. And uh-huh. I want them to get together just because I feel like this would be in the best interest mm. of the show. It would be really interesting yeah. and it would go so terribly wrong. It's a little bit like The Sims. You just like, yeah. you're like, what happens if they get together? Okay. What happens if I put them in the pool and then yeah. take out the... Yeah. Take out... The, <laughs> so, oh, they die? Yeah. Oh, oh. good to know. <laughs> I'll make another one. <laughs> you can put the whole family in yeah. there next time. Yeah. With okay. a dog. Okay, so next, should we talk about Master of None? Yes. Master of None, um, it's been out for a couple of weeks now. Lots yeah. of people have been talking about yeah. it. Yeah, well, it was all released in one go. By, was it Netflix? Yeah. So it's one of those ones where it's just like they dump all the episodes and then everyone watches them all in one go. I still haven't seen the last yep. episode, and neither of you. Neither have I. Um, so but we're, we're still... Yeah, it's... <laughs> in a way, it's actually not really 
well designed for s- no i don't binge find it watching? very binge watching after i've watched one i'm like ah oh. you know i don't want to watch them all in one go because i feel like you kind of digest them so and they're just the pace of them they're quite like they're not paced kind of like other tv shows they don't necessarily have like a moment of conflict that then has to be resolved they're quite gentle narratively i feel like it is quite gentle narratively and i think something which i've found really interesting about people's reaction to it as people have talked about the shows which it's like yeah um but often the shows which it's like uh both um have less to say and are more dramatic or more sort of overly emotive yeah absolutely i think that because i feel like i've i I definitely the first episode i saw it kind of reminded me of louis just because you know new york children like you know ennui and but then it's like completely different from louis because that's so packed with like this meaning that he wants everything to have and kind of like the self-reflexivity and all this kind of thing that's supposed to be kind of important and i don't know like it just has a totally different like the ego isn't there in master of none that there isn't louis knows what it wants you to take out of an episode Mm. And, and it's the whole sort of he's so keen to be self-deprecating to show that he's like i don't know a good person or something whereas i feel like master of none is really interesting because it's definitely kind of wrapped up in all these like concerns about you know race and gender and just like life in the modern age and all that kind of thing but it's not like kind of trying to push you in any one way about them it's like and it, it seems just really like to consider them <laughs> and as you were saying um sort of louis well, he wants you to think he's an interesting and deep person. Yeah, even though he's like yeah. a white middle-aged guy, <laughs> and like you know, he knows that that like, there's a lot of those ones around. But yeah, he's he's. But he knows because he's one of the good ones. Yeah. Um, with with Aziz Ansari, like you can tell from the show, he is just this person. Yeah. Um, this is not a show where he has tried to frame himself in a way to make him seem more positive than he actually is in yeah. real life. I take this as a very earnest, very real take about him upon totally. things which happened to him yeah. and his friend Brian and his yeah. other friends and sort of yeah. their their realizations of what it took for them to be where they are in the yeah, world yeah, right definitely. now. And I think it's quite interesting because it is sort of very, like, good-natured. Like, it's not... Tremendously you know, everyone so. in it sort of is nice. Like, it, the, there's no sort of huge conflict. But at the same time, I feel like there is this kind of undercurrent of, like, his frustration. You know, his, like, kind of frustration and and a little bit of anger, which you kind of see why. But it's just kind of there under the surface. And every now and then it kind of comes up a bit. And you can see kind of how frustrating it must be for him. But... It, you know on the surface the whole thing is just very like good natured and nice and it's like quite an interesting way of doing it rather than like he's nice for half the episode and then something comes up and he gets really mad and then he kind of like overcomes it like it's sort of there's no resolution to anything he's just kind of getting everyone's kind of getting along as well as they can in the circumstances that they have yeah and everyone's fundamentally a decent person he's he's really aware and um yeah. In one episode in particular, he's he actually tries to address this. Um, about the fact that it took a lot of sacrifices from other people yeah. for him to be where he is. Yeah. And where he is, is um, he's not the Aziz Ansari who has been on Parks and Rec for yeah. however long that show was, like six or seven seasons. He's not the guy yeah. who's you know, on Funny Games. He's not sort of a famous person. 
on this show. He is a ad actor. Yeah. And th- yeah. I think that's a really great way of taking the character because if yeah. he was the guy who's like, I hang out with Kanye sometimes. Yeah. This would be a tremendously unrelatable and actually quite detestable show because yeah. it would be about someone who has had success and is not necessarily reflecting on it because they've almost had yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's good that he's distant. It's like not totally autobiographical or anything. I, even yeah. though like his parents play his parents. And they're Which amazing. Is they're so, they're so good. His dad is amazing. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. His dad is just so fucking lovable. I know, he's adorable. And just embraces being on the show. Yeah. And he's sort of hammy in this really earnest, really positive way, which yeah. actually makes you think, this is not a show about trying to get cheap humor out of, yeah. oh, kids are dirty and the worst, you know, yeah, yeah. people in their, people in their thirties, like consider having children, but also know the fact that half yeah. of their friends are miserable and have children. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not focused on the negative aspects of all of this. It's, it's more reflective. He's seems to be trying to just give situations. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's not judgmental or moralistic. Yeah, and the characters react like very personally and very yeah. honestly to them. And, yeah. Um, That's why I don't feel like it's binge-watchy. I'm not like, no, oh, I don't think so either. What shenanigans they're going to get into next time? You're just kind of like, ah, oh, and then you like, think about what happened in that one. Like, they went, did you see the one where he moves in with the girlfriend? Yes, all right, that, that, was, one, that was amazing. That we was need amazing. to talk about that one. Yeah, I thought that was a really good one because like, they were kind of the only two characters in that episode until his parents come in and stuff, and it was just like very real. It's nice to see like a relationship and kind of the problems that people go through and stuff without it being really dramatic, like someone cheating on someone or yelling or anything. Like the kind of conflict they had was very real and kind of the mundane things that do happen in relationships. And they address them quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, they address sort of the like issue of cross-cultural dating yeah, yeah. around the fact that actually in some situations, I think most of us have been there um, not with this particular cross-cultural situation, uh, but just in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, you know, some some families are those families who, uh, if you've been dating someone for two weeks, uh, their parents know everything about you, or yeah. their siblings, or their grandparents, or whoever yeah. knows everything about you because they just, they're talkers. Yeah. And there's <laughs> other families who you could have been living with someone for a year, and yeah. their family may have no idea that this is happening. You know, and it's it's how we are all raised different and existing yeah. in a more multicultural landscape means the way your parents interact with their world is tremendously different to yeah. how maybe your partner's family yeah. interact with it. Yeah, totally. Uh, two Christmases ago, um, I think it was two Christmases ago, <laughs> um, the Beyonce album dropped and oh, yeah. all the videos dropped um a, so a great time. yeah it was a great time <laughs> so, uh, two christmases ago um on christmas eve i watched all of the beyonce videos with my mom oh that's so nice it was great it was kind of like the partition video i'm not gonna lie i yeah. did intentionally skip it because i was like i can't fucking do this i can't fair enough it. It's like, there's, there's a limit to this. It's like, I don't need to see this right now. I'd really fucking rather not. Um, last one we watched, I think it was, I might be wrong on the timing. Maybe it was after that. Uh, but some, during some point, uh, we watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, I haven't seen that. 
and it's fantastic it has yeah. a real um positivity and sense of optimism while yeah. also being a realistic take of people being kind of crazy like yeah. it's nowhere near as grounded it's nowhere near as human as i think master of none is but yeah. it's um it has yeah it has a real light to it where it could cross over a lot of audiences yeah um she a middle-aged moldy public servant from wellington loved it and the way in which your mum, not the not Kimmy Schmidt. Not Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> I know Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt's definitely not from Wellington. Um, she has like kind of cult like vibe, which you get from being from Wellington. But like no. But I was I was just sort of looking at that, and I've showed it to other people mm. from very different sort of world perspectives, yeah. and they've all found it really likable. Yeah. I think it's just a show which. Um, does relate across genres and across mm. groups. And I think Master of None is, in many ways, very similar. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, I th- I can imagine sort of 20-year-olds watching this with their, like, 50-, 60-year-old parents and saying, yeah. what do you think of this show? And I think they will find it very human and relatable. Yeah, definitely. A lot of the stuff um, about, like, modern dating and stuff is definitely from his book as well. But that means he has, like, a lot of really good insight into it. You can just, like, a lot of the scenarios. Yeah, I've, I've got to point this out. Um, that book, Modern Romance, is on the table as we're recording this yeah, right now. underneath Kim Kardashian's. Underneath Kim Kardashian's. <laughs> um, book Selfish? Yeah, the Kim Kardashian book is really good. I got it for um, Hussein's birthday, and he loves it. Good Christmas uh, stuffer there. Um, yeah. If you oh, think yeah, about it would be great. To... <laughs> 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 Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Um, so I reckon, do you want to talk about, um, I actually haven't, I didn't see it. Um, yeah. I feel bad. I should oh, have, but, um, I can, just I can talk about the rest of them, but do you want to talk about Spectre? Or... Yeah, I can just briefly yeah. talk about it. I saw Spectre. Skepta. You saw Skepta. Um, how was Skepta? Um, the, the grime of, uh, James Bond movies. It was all right. I, I have written a review for the wireless.co.nz. You can oh. look at it if you want. Um, but follow I... Katie on the wireless. Uh, <laughs> follow me on nowhere. Please don't follow me or ever Google me. Just don't. Um, but definitely follow our podcast Twitter. Yeah, follow the podcast Twitter. Um, yeah, I thought it was all right. I mean, it, I didn't give it a particularly positive review just because when you, it's one of those ones where when you really think about it, it's... It's not, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it all kind of hinges on this really stupid thing about the villain being mad from um, his dad giving James Bond more attention as a child than him. I don't know. It's all kind of silly. But, I mean, it's quite, um, you know, compared to Skyfall, which I really didn't like because it was just like a family drama, there was a lot of um, James Bond being kind of depressed and having a bit of a midlife crisis, which I don't think is very good for James Bond. And then there's all that stupid stuff about his, like, you know, childhood home and his, you know, his parents dying and stuff like that, which I just, I don't know. I think, to me, James Bond should be campy and unknowable and, yeah. and not have a backstory. And I don't need to know about his motivation or his ennui or his, you know, trauma. And I just want to see him go to fancy places with pretty women and have a fun time. So I and Spectre had a lot more of that. Um, it was more. There was like he went to so many countries, and the girl, you know, um, Leah Sado was really beautiful and lovely. But in the end, and it was very traditional compared to the most recent ones. Like he just kind of you know goes around and there's a terrorist organization who are doing something, and he has to go and deal with it. And it kind of has this other plot that's all to do with like 
you know, kind of like that Edward Snowden surveillance kind of take on things, which is sort of like how Skyfall had like Javier Bardem as like a hacker and like a cyber bully. So that was kind of where it was trying to be current, which kind of worked and kind of just like dissolved towards the end because it wasn't particularly dramatic. Mm. I just thought, I don't know. I thought it was fun to watch. It was a bit long. It got a bit clunky at the end. It, It like completely lost momentum for like the third act, which I thought was a shame. You you know a lot more about the Bond franchise as a whole, um, I think, than I, I do. <laughs> I'm not sure if I, like, I am by no means um, expert on it, but Bond has always had this really interesting place in sort of Anglo-Saxon masculinity. Mm. Yeah, the kind of ideal British male who, like, works for the Queen. And, yeah, like, works for the Queen, is kind of gruff and likes yeah. his, you know, he drinks his whiskey straight, very straight, everything about him's <laughs> yeah, deeply... He's like, just heteronormativity yes. incarnate. He's both he's both a refined dandy and a blokey bloke. There was yeah, there was something very sort of uh, boys' school about uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Whereas I think they brought in Daniel Craig to make him sort of more of a gruff, certainly yeah. more Scottish, and it felt a lot like a reaction to sort of the Bourne movies oh, and totally. the Mission Impossible movies and the idea that what it meant to be sort of a a sort of platonic ideal of a masculine action yeah um but also sort of thinking man so kind of upper middle class um action star should be yeah and it was i think it was quite strange i think you're really right because the daniel craig movies did try and look more at sort of the psychology behind bond they tried to make it really nolan um, and that's a really, really slippery slope. I just think that, like, they're trying to update it. Like, they want to make it more masculine and stuff. But then they also know that the Bond brand is so strong and makes so much money. And so they don't... They kind of have this back and forth between the two things that don't end up meshing. And I think there's, like, this kind of tension between them that never quite gets resolved in the movie. And I think that that's kind of what kind of made it a bit stilted at the end. They kind of don't know where to go with it because it's like they want to introduce all this new stuff and these kind of topical plot points. And it just ends up being this dumb mix of old and new that doesn't work. Yeah, I think I think the idea of they want to try and retain the heritage but also update it for a new generation Yeah, seems really unrealistic at this point because if you look at the the old Bonds, they, um, well, I mean, the original author of Bond was... So, an insane drunk English <laughs> colonist. So, uh, the idea of, like, trying to update him for, mm. like, a new world yeah. is fucking laughable. I know, because it's but just inherently, like, problematic in it's, a lot of Well, ways. I think it's just, it's a real, um, it was part of its time. Um, you were you are trying to celebrate a person who would have tortured Edward Snowden with a blowtorch until he'd probably died and (laughs) would have defended the Queen's rulership of of um the jewel of the crown India and wouldn't have let India be independent probably would have killed Gandhi if he had to (laughs) you know like this is a person with sort of zero moral compass yeah and so the idea of like wanting to sort of James well, no, wanting to turn like James Bond into sort of a Nolan Batman. If you want to make James Bond sort of dark and introspective, yeah, there needs to be a part of 
him which looks at the fact that he is a yeah he's a, sort of an a, assassin yeah a, an who assassin who works for the government yes and, and unquestioningly an like unquestioning um puppet of yeah. sort of this well, of yeah. a really old school colonialism yeah that's actually true and that probably is a big part of why they've tried to bring this backstory into it just to kind of justify it a little bit like if he has childhood trauma and if he has kind of people he wants to get vengeance for if he has like grudges against people then he's not kind doing of, this for the queen yeah it's not quite so weird but at the same time there's like this very weird thing in this movie where kind of they get a new boss and it's he's like really bureaucratic and he's very into like efficiency and stuff and like surveillance and he's like oh james bond's inefficient he goes around causing all these like international incidences and Mm. stuff and james bond and ralph finds are like what but it's like but that's true he's like very true he's kind of not like doing a good job like he kind of causes a lot of trouble yeah, and it seems really odd to point that out, though. That's what I thought was weird about kind of like the old and new thing was that they kind of had James Bond kind of being quite, you know, like old timey and going around and you know like trying to stop terrorists by just attacking them and stuff. Rather, and then they've got this kind of thing where they're saying, is James Bond still relevant? Is the role of this agent still good, or is it a waste of money and causing more trouble than it's worth? And it's like when you start asking those questions, the film doesn't resolve them. You actually start thinking like. James Bond as a brand and as a concept is starting to get a bit antiquated and the way they update it doesn't kind of answer those questions. And I think that's a really fair point. And if anything, the Pierce Brosnan Bond really saved the Bond franchise because particularly in the 1980s, (laughs) um, the idea of sort of this, the queen and tea and crumpets, sort of British man flying around the world fixing the world's problems with yeah. a gun uh, seemed sort of terrifying and seemed like <laughs> the idea that uh, particularly in the fall of the Berlin Wall so yeah. what's what's Bond's role other yeah. than to keep fighting a war which was over yeah you know when does Bond become the soldier who was dropped on an island and has never been told that the war's over yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe that's where James Bond should go yeah. And that would be a really bleak, really dark take on it. But yeah. I think. But if they're gonna do it, they should just do it. I think they just need to get him. They <laughs> just need James to. James Bond crying on an yeah, island. Yeah, just one shot of James Bond crying next to yeah. a building as sort of a Turkish mm. mother beats him around the head for not understanding <laughs> that this was a bakery, not a place where like, not a place where infidels were hiding. It's yeah. it's kind of fucked. Um, yeah, but I mean. You know, you should see Spectre because I'd be interested to know yeah, what you thought of it. I'm, and I'm interested in like, the people to. I've talked to. A lot of people thought it was better than I thought it was. I just want them to kind of pick one or the other. Like, either you're going to completely modernize it and have something really interesting new to say, or you're just going to try and pay homage to yeah. <laughs> the old ones and just, like, go with that. Because, you know. And I feel like uh, we. I should say that too. There is a place for sort of campy, ridiculous mm. Bond. There is a place for movies which, yeah... yeah People yell freedom isn't free and then kick a Greenpeace <laughs> protester down, fly the stairs and like <laughs> blow up the building and like walk away and it's like the expendables 420. Yeah. You know, like there's, would be a great there's movie. definitely like a place in the world for that. Um, and I, you know, I would probably watch that if I had nothing to do on like a Sunday yeah. night. But um, the idea of trying to make this uh, like an emotionally relevant mm. film about something which is kind of both campy and terrifying. Yeah. Uh, you really, you can... Yeah. It's difficult trying to be both. It's difficult Definitely. trying to be a, 
big budget film about something which is very real world and very scary. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so should we wrap up? Yeah, well, I think um, we should just... Now is the time when we can talk about uh, whatever it is we want to talk about. So um, what are shows you've been watching? Um, this week I was sick and I watched a lot of Frasier. I love Frasier so much. It's my favorite show. Um, <laughs> otherwise, oh, I've mainly been watching Master of None. Um, and of course, Scream Queens. Yeah. Which we talked a lot about last time. And we will continue to talk about every yeah. now and then. But yeah. I feel like this, this shouldn't be a... A podcast just about screen No, plans. no. Because uh, it very easily could be. Oh my God, I could talk about it forever. Other than that, I haven't really been watching a lot of TV. <laughs> what have you been watching? <laughs> um, before I came to this, I was watching uh, Project Runway Junior. What is that? Which is just, it's Project Runway. I guess I can imagine. But people aged between like 13, I think the oldest is 16. Ooh. And it's kind of great. Like it's yeah. sort of... In the same way that um, sort of the baby's version of everything is sort of fun because it's, sort of, <laughs> it's light, it's a bit weird. Yeah, and they can't um, be quite as mean to them. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be encouraging their youth. And um, and they are, it is certainly lighter. Yeah. Um, does it have Tim Gunn? It does have Tim Gunn. Oh, he's does. He's still fantastic. I wouldn't watch it without Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn yeah. is one of my favorite people in the world. I just Absolutely. love him he, so much. He's Fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. He's really great on it. It is still very similar to Project Runway. Yeah. But, um, how they treat the people is um, quite interesting. Um, it is a yeah. bit of a lighter show. Also, I think the the juniors element, the fact that they are teenagers coming up, yeah. it makes it more interesting because can, it's yeah. less... Um, I can see that because sometimes it's a little bit grim on Project Runway when they have like someone quite old and you're like, yeah. your career is not going to happen. It's like, you <laughs> should have been doing this at 16. Yeah. Whereas these ones like, oh, you are 16? Yeah. Well, then you're doing great. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my one complaint about the show is they clearly couldn't afford Heidi Klum for this one as well oh. and so they got a replacement model and she has zero personality and she's incredibly Who is the replacement model? I have no idea. <laughs> I, and honestly, I was just like, I'm not even going to learn. Oh. You are very, very wooden. That's a shame. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm interested in that. I'm going to keep watching that. Um, a show which I really liked from last year, um, which has admittedly evolved into kind of a different show, um, but is now potentially even better. And I think it's something uh, I see almost no one... Really talking about, <laughs> but uh, they fucking should because it's great. Uh, a show called You're the Worst. I I really loved it. The pilot episode I was sold on, um, and yeah. I've been watching it every week since then. It's yeah. now in its second season, and it's it's become a completely different show. Oh really? Yeah. It's always interesting when they kind of reboot things. It's not necessarily that it's rebooted. It's that um, it sort of evolved into the show oh, okay. it was going to be. Um, it's so. Good. Uh, without sort of brief spoiler alert, um, if you want to catch up on the first season, you totally should. If you can't be bothered watching one season and then getting into the second <laughs> season, which is still going now, yeah. I sort of feel you. So um, the first season is about sort of two slightly damaged, very sort of self-destructive, terrible people yeah. um, who end up being in a moderately successful relationship together. Uh, the bullshit they bring to the table sort of really well suits um, yeah. the other person's bullshit. They seem to genuinely like each other, and it's it's a great and very funny show. Okay, um, I must watch it. Yeah, it can be uh, it can be quite mean in a good way. I think the second season gets meaner, but yeah. also sort of more meaningful. Um, wow. 
uh, <laughs> at the end of this here's the spoiler um at the end of the first season um yeah. the two characters uh jimmy and gretchen move in together um and the second season is less about sort of the will they want they which yeah. is sort of the the will they continue to or yeah, will they yeah. give up um it's now about people who are um in a relationship yeah and I like that. but moving in together they're mm. starting to realize like actually they're way more damaged than they thought they were <laughs> and maybe yeah maybe this is um yeah maybe they shouldn't be with each other or anyone mm. and it's yeah it's taken really interesting turn and i think it's the best show on television right now oh really cool. i think um fargo the second season is also a close second we can talk about that another time too okay. <laughs> but uh you're the worst so with fargo um it's the best version of that show it could possibly be and they've just done it incredibly well yeah um whereas with the you're the worst sort of it could have been anything yeah it's not really like anything else on television um it has elements of many many different shows but if yeah. i was to even start to name some of them you would probably get the wrong impression yeah um, i remember you telling me it was kind of like a better version of i just want my pants back yes which sort of was a really interesting show but maybe necessarily work whereas yeah. you're the worst it works really well and it's just becoming yeah. more and more um i don't know where it's going and that's yeah. the that's thing i like gonna... most about it yeah. is i have no idea what it should be yeah. i have no idea what's going to be but where it is right now and where it's been going has been really yeah. interesting so i love that show um and then just like a brief shout out to we bear bears i've never heard of that I oh my god! Admittedly, all right. This is this is a show for children. It's okay. essentially a show for children, but it's really good. Um, it the way I would describe it is um, if they made Bob's Burgers for kids, um, cut out the parents' characters, and the children were various types of beer. <laughs> okay. So not like beer, like you drink, but like beer, like the cute grizzly bear, the things which live yeah. in forests. Yeah. Um, and so it's about three of them, uh, three types of beer. They all live together. Um, they have this really great relationship. Um, there's really funny sidelines. Yeah. It's sort of adventure timey, but I find it more. Oh, I love so, adventure time. Yeah, I really I like it too. But I I think we beer beers is sort of better, at least for me, because it's less sort of random. It's less yeah. It's less weird. It's more. Um, and this is a show about three bears. Like this is a show about three bears, <laughs> and it's um it's quite grounded. Um, they they have really sort of great bond, and um the characters go together really well, and the yeah. stories are very fun. Um, oh. it's very smartly written. Um, the dialogue's actually really oh. um probably my favorite bit about it, and just a lot of like silly funness. Is it's it like very an interesting episodes, or is it longer episodes? I think it's twenty minutes. Oh, okay. Um, but I could be wrong because um, I just binge watch them. You. Yeah, it's, it's just so entertaining. I could yeah. watch it for hours and have. Um, it's a very great uh, hangover show too. Um, and it's a very great show when you're like, I just need something to reaffirm like the positivity of life. Yeah. Oh, like it's nice. it's a good thing to watch. It, yeah. Cool. Um, it's about all of the things our podcast is about. <gasps> Most of all, friendship. Yeah. I feel like that's a good place. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. Well um check us out on twitter uh and... please um keep following yeah thanks <laughs> thanks for making it this far yeah thank you we love you you're the best we love you goodbye <laughs>